Do you, do you kind of feel like... <sighs> yeah. Kind of waiting for summer to come. Anybody tired of the snow? Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. A whole bunch of hands way up. I, I love it. I love it. And we're a divided household right now. Um, but I, I want to do something with you guys. I, I, I've said this to people before. I've got all these glasses up here and phones and water. Um, I, uh, water. I've said before that if somebody fell asleep in, in a sermon, I would take, I would take it as a, a compliment. And I've had people chuckle at me for that. But I, um, if I haven't told you this before, um, this is for you. If I have, then you're going to hear it again. Um, but the idea of having, having somebody fall asleep in this space, it's a safe place for them. Your, your weeks are, are crazy, aren't they? The things that are filled in your week. And you get to a place where you slow down. And you're, you're forced to stop in a way. You're listening, yes, and somebody talking. I mean, if somebody just came up and started playing with your hair, you'd be gone, right? You could have a little just hair washing stations, you, you're done. We'd, we'd, we'd take a nap until the, um, we, we would have our um, potluck, and you'd have a nap and lunch, and be like, ah, great day. Um, but I'm going to do something with you guys, and I, and, and I want you to bear with me. If I hear any snoring, that's okay. It's okay, don't feel bad. But I want you to do this with me. We're going to do a, a, a mind um, trip together. Not like a mind trip like the 60s, that so much different thing. But, but what I want you to do is, is roll with me on this. I want you to close your eyes. And you can put your head down or lean your head back, however you feel comfortable. And I just want you to take this moment with me. And we're just sitting here. You've got, you've got your sunglasses on. It's midsummer, and there's, a, there's just a gentle breeze kind of blowing through the grass in front of your feet, which are bare feet. You don't have any shoes on. It's just a nice little breeze, and you're just, you're just smiling there. A little wind going through your hair. You're sitting on the side of the river, and the river is going from left to right. It's a slow, gentle pace, flow. There's a little bit of gurgles kind of as it's hitting some things near the shore. And you're just sitting there calmly, holy. There's a wholeness of yourself. You, you, you feel right in this place. You feel um, you feel as though everything in the world is right. And that gratitude starts to well up in you. Thank you, God. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this, this rest. This shalom. All right. So enough of that. I don't want to put anybody to sleep. Do you feel as though you are resting in that moment? Do you feel different now than you did just a moment ago? Yeah? Have you ever done that before where you just take a little bit of a mind trip? (laughs) 
probably. But do you feel like some things just kind of slip off your shoulders? Those kind of moments are, that's what God wants for us. You know that? Think about when, when um, God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. Does God care about whether it's cool or not? I mean, obviously he can dance around in a, in a fiery furnace with, uh, with three other guys, and that's no big deal. So heat doesn't really bother him. But he was going for the cool of the day because it was a nice, relaxing time to enjoy the garden that he had placed Adam in, that he had placed Adam and Eve in, Right? And I think when, when we look at what God wants for us, he wants us to have those moments where we can enjoy this life that he's given us. We can enjoy all, all the potential that he's given us. You know, in science talks about potential energy, right? There's, there's a potential energy in something. That's how much energy is in it to be used, right? And, and I think that there's, there's also in, in life, in the life that God has given us, there is a potential in each and every one of you that God ordained in you. But sometimes we need to get to that place, that state of rest to understand it, to know it in our bones, and people rest in different ways. You guys hearing a buzz? I don't know what that is. I don't normally have that. Uh, uh, maybe. Anyway. There's a potential in us, though. And I think about that. Whoa. I love that man. I love that man. Um, <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> That's okay, I did it to y'all. I might have to have you stand and do a couple jumping jacks to keep going here. Uh, We're we're still in in John, and and I've been enjoying this. I don't know if you guys have, and I might just be forcing you through the book of John, but too bad. Um, It's really good for us to walk through this and walk through the story uh, of Jesus and this, the... We want to get that chronology, that, that direction that the New Testament's going in. And I, I've, been, I've been also going through the, the New Testament um, on my own. I, I, I challenged you guys to do that with me this year. And it, it's been really, really, really good. And um, it kind of sometimes coincides with the, the message we're on, sometimes not. And, but it, it's still good. It's, um, it's been fun walking through that. The whole idea of, of John, um, light the dark. This morning, our, our, our title is Fuel. So potential energy, you're going to be talking about fuel. Um, we are going to be looking at um, chapter 6 of John. And in, and in John 6, we see Jesus and his disciples. Um, I'm going to move a little further forward here. I feel so far from you guys. I think it's because of the empty row. Nobody wants to sit in the front, do they? 
Nobody? Nobody? Gloria? Uh, but in John 6, we see Jesus and his disciples going on a retreat. Rest, okay, we're talking about rest here. Going on a retreat that turns into a major ministry conference. I mean, you go, go from having 13 guys going to get together out in the wilderness to well over probably 7,000 people, 8,000 people. Because they count, they count the guys in that. I don't know why they did that way back then. They don't do that now. They count everybody. But um, there was 5,000 people in this, this feeding, right? 5,000 men. And out, out in this ministry conference, they were going for some rest and it didn't happen. Um, little did they know they would be providing a meal and busing tables. <laughs> you ever had those moments where you're going off to rest and you can't? I think that's everybody, right? Where you, you, you're like, oh, getting ready to sit down and, and somebody knocks at the door. Who could that be? Or you're, you're ready to go off um, on a trip and, and something happens and you can't go on the trip for various reasons. Maybe you're just, you're resting in the life that God has you in and then tragedy strikes. They were expecting a time of rest and received an unexpectedly large group that they felt depressed to have to serve. The miracle of this we know. We know that there was a boy that shares his lunch. And from that, Jesus blesses all of them. And it goes on to say in, in John 6, 12 through 14, it says that, and when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, um, and this is, this is just key right here, is gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign um, that he had done, they said, this is indeed a prophet who is come to, into the world. And they go on to try to, try to they're, they're, they start talking about making him king right there. And, and of course, what happens when either the Pharisees try to get him or, or somebody tries to make him king, Jesus is like, okay, time to leave. Let's go, guys. Come on. Ushers the, the 12 out. But um, the thing I wanted to point out is we see that nothing is wasted with Jesus. It says, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And the disciples gathered up 12 basketfuls. And, and this, is, this is pretty key here, because in that day, the disciples, um, they were on the road a lot. I mean, Jesus even talked about how the, you know, the, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. They're out, in the, they're out hiking around. John, John would have been uh, one of the disciples, or hanging out with them, because he would have been going hiking everywhere throughout Israel, right? And... And these guys were hiking around, but, but they had to take their food with them because Jewish law, your, your food has to be a certain way. So they had these baskets back then, They're these long, tall, vase-looking-like baskets. And all 12 of those guys would have had a basket. And they were probably not always that full. But Jesus told them to gather up the basketfuls, and they filled up these baskets with food that they would be carrying on their way out. Um, 
God had provided for his people miraculously in the past. We've seen this in, in the word. He, he miraculously provided um, for the people with manna. This thing was like a coriander seed size. It was, they, you could take it and they could make this breadish kind of stuff that, that would just appear in the mornings. And you'd have to go out and gather it those mornings. There was only one day that they'd gather more than what they needed. And that was the day so they didn't have to gather on the Sabbath day. And it would, it would if, if, you, if you kept more than you needed any other day, the next day it would be rotten. But for the Sabbath day, it would be fresh. And he nourished them in the desert with this. Now, they were, they, they, <laughs> they're like people, <laughs> like us, and they got to a place where they're complaining because they're like, oh, it's just this manna. Oh. I mean, can you imagine like you've got the most miraculous thing that happens every morning. You just have to go out and get it. It's right there and it's just like gatherable and wow, that was so easy. Yeah, I don't know if it was easy, but I, it, it was just, it was there for them. It provided for them in a desert. They had nourishment every single day. But what do they do? They start complaining about it. They start complaining that they have no meat. We have no meat. What does is, what is, uh, God do? He, 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 he's saying, well, fine. I'll bless you even more. And he sends them quail. They were up to their armpits in quail. The whole land was covered with quail. Can you imagine, like, okay, you have this stuff that they probably learned different ways to make manna up. You know, it's like a bread and like a little cakes. And, I mean, you can you got one thing, you're going to, and then you get quail. You get this, these little birds, and they don't have a lot of meat on each of them. You have to kind of, you, know, you get three. Okay, there you go. You're growing. Okay. Um, but it's a protein, and you're, you're like, great, this is meat. How long does that last where you're like, this is great? Probably maybe the second day. Like, oh, this is so good. And the third day, you're like, oh, quail again. Okay. We have a lot of this, don't we? I, I don't know about you. I, 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 I bring out these things in, in Scripture that, that I think are funny. I, I think it's hilarious what God um, said and did with his people at times. There were hilarious things that would happen. I mean, Jesus would even say stuff. I, I, I think about the, the story of the plank, the plank in the eye and the, the speck and all that. And, and you know, what, what have we got here? It's like, it's like, let me get that thing out of your eye, Right? I can, see, I can see there's something in your eye. Let me get that for you, right? Anybody else thinking that? I mean, that's funny. I don't, I don't think he was just like, there is a speck in your eye, but I have a plank in mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, I think humor, sometimes we get the point better when it's funny. Sometimes we go, oh, we're being kind of stupid. Oh, yeah, okay. I was complaining about the manna. Oh, oh, and you sent us all. Where did all these birds come from? I've got to feed them until we eat them. But this, this miracle that Jesus does is connected with the divine nature and provision of God, right? His, his nature, um, it, it, Jesus is, is representing that nature of God. The provision that he has for us, his ability to, to provide for us, but also that divine nature, 
There's this divine aspect where he, he, he takes the bread and he breaks it, takes the fish and he breaks it and hands it out. And they take it and, and they're, they're passing this out. Somebody's got to kind of go, wait a second. That little meal must have run out a while ago. Come on. I mean, have you ever, have you ever seen something happen that's, that, that, that's kind of slowly, people are picking up this miraculous thing that's happening and it's like, yeah, oh, okay, and it just, like, it's, it starts building, people start noticing, or, like, you see someone, like, have you ever seen those sporting events on, I mean, I've seen these on YouTube sometimes, where somebody falls in a race, and then somebody else comes along, they, they can keep going on their race, but they're like, no, and they go back, and they help that person up, and they, and you just kind of, you're just like, I don't care who won, this right here, that's humanity at its finest, Right? I, somebody had to have started a slow clap when they started saying, wow, this food, is, it, it's going to get to the back. It's not just going to be for a few people. And there's two, two schools of thought with this, this miracle. And, and believe it or not, this is actually, there's actually two schools of thought in, uh, with theologians um, when looking at this miracle. Um, and... There's the traditional view, and I think that's the view that, that many of us um, hold to, that, that Jesus miraculously broke the bread, <clears throat> and in the same way he was dividing it, he was multiplying it. That's the miracle of it, right? There's actually, um, there's actually a, a, another school of thought that, that Jesus saw the, this as an opportunity to do something profound in people. And he, this meal was brought up by this young boy who's, who's saying, hey, take everything I have. And everyone else there had brought stuff, but they were kind of keeping it back to see what they could get. And what he did was he started to pray for this meal and started to break it to give it out, and people started producing what they had as well. And, and I just, I don't think that, I, you know what? I think it could have been a both end. That it could have been something to... Um, to both show the divine nature of Jesus and how he miraculously broke, divided, yet multiplied that food. Um, but in the same way, um, there was something happening in the hearts of people. They were, they were able to eat to their fill. They were able to, f- to fill themselves up. Think about this, this culture. Think about this day and age. They are a, a conquered people. They are poor. Do you think people filled themselves up often? Or do they just have enough to eat to make it? They filled themselves so full, but they also were able to do something that was a, a cultural norm. There, uh, when you ate and you ate well, you would leave extra off to the side for the people that served you. And, and there would be extra that could be given, and at a really good meal, that, that, those servants could eat really, really well. And I think there was something that did happen in, in both showing who Jesus was, but also showing a good nature in, in the people being able to say, I'm going to leave this aside. And it's not necessarily that those fragments were pieces like, oh, there you go. Okay, that's for you. That was not it. No, this is, this is something where they, they, ha- they, they were eating from, you know, pulling out of whatever, you know, maybe there's some baskets sitting in the middle of the group and they're, they're eating from there and there's some 
left over that they haven't even eaten off of. It's just fragments that are left. And they said, you know what? I'm, I'm stuffed. We should give this to those that pass this out to us. So it's not a coincidence that there were 12 basketfuls that could be filled because these guys went to have a rest and they had to go work. They didn't get to sit down right away and they were given baskets full of food. Those baskets were to be their, their road meals, right? And they, they keep them for a while and their baskets were full. So they didn't just eat for the day, they ate for a while. Now, it seems like Jesus was at work in people's lives, even in this. He was in, at work in the disciples' hearts because they were probably, I mean, I can imagine right off the bat, like, I thought we were, we were coming out here to pray and, and, and sit, with our, sit with Jesus and, and learn more and just be with our rabbi, you know? And, and I'm sure that there was a little bit of grumbling that started, but when the miraculous happened, I'm sure they were paying attention. And they were getting excited and probably, hey, you guys need some? Okay, I'm going to do it. And they're, you know, they're running around. They probably got other people helping because yeah, seven, 8,000 people is probably a lot to be passing this out to. But I'll tell you what, I've seen um, over in the gorge, we went to, um, there was a music festival for Christians that used to be there called Creation. You guys remember that? And I remember they would, they would get volunteers to take um, communion around to everybody. These little communion cups. And you'd have people come down to the front at the stage. And there's like 50, 60 people that would come up there. And it just went. And people had all the way to the back grass would end up getting these communion cups swiftly. So I think the food probably passed around pretty quick, and, and I'm sure that they, they got some people involved helping them, and they, they got it all out, and everybody ate, and, um, but water into, you know, think about these miracles that he's done. He, he did water into wine, and that miracle of, of water being changed, but it, it was also about, there's also this timing that happened with the water into wine, right? It wasn't right at the beginning, of, the, uh, of this celebration, it was somewhere near the middle or towards the end, right? Because they commented on how you wait till the last to give the best. And usually when, when Jesus healed, he also forgave sins, right? So he, I, I can see him doing multiple things when it comes to feeding people so well that they're full. And not only that, they had an opportunity to leave extra to bless those that served them so in a way, he gave them the 100% so they could give the 10%. Right? In a way, it was kind of like he gave them, oh, that's us, isn't it? He gives to us so that we can give as well. So we can give thanks for what he's given to us. And we can show from the blessing that he's given us a blessing to others as well. When the disciples went out to gather, they, they each were able to replenish their stores. And I think Jesus intended for this. God wants the best for us. He wants the, wanted the best for these men that he was walking around with. And Jesus wanted to bless and teach the people. He wanted to bless the disciples for their serving. And so he pours out so much that there's an overflow. 
The first point we have today is Jesus pours out to overflow. We have to recognize this. He, he pours out to overflow. The miracles that he has into people's lives, from the first miracle he had of, of changing water into wine, a lot of water into a lot of wine, and it's the best wine you could possibly have, he pours out to overflow in our lives. This is what I meant last week when I said, I, you know, have you ever felt stupidly blessed? I feel stupidly blessed. I feel blessed to be where I'm at. I feel blessed to be here as your pastor, to have many of you as my friends, to be family. I feel stupidly blessed with the people that I know in the community. When we receive from the Lord, it is, it's always more. You recognize that? It's not just a little. It's always more. It says faith as small as a mustard seed. Not what he's going to pour into you is a mustard seed. Because he pours into us way more than we can handle sometimes, doesn't he? It may not seem like an overflowing grace, yet when we fix our eyes on him, we find an abundance that we cannot help but give to others. But we have to recognize it. John 6, 16 through 21 says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the Sea of Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum. Um, it was now dark, and Jesus had um, not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, now, um, just to say this, um, very specific to say three or four miles, but that puts them right in the middle. Right in the middle. Because there are some people who are like, well, maybe Jesus was on the shore when he was walking up to him, and he just, they kind of got up and got him in. He wasn't really walking on the water. But you got to think, some of the disciples were fishermen. They knew about how far they were. Three or four miles out was probably where everything's small in the distance as far as land. And it goes on saying, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land, to which they were going. Um, the second point is, Jesus meets us in the deep and chaos of life. He meets us in the chaos. I, I find it interesting that the words that Jesus used here, um, we, we see this translation says, it is I. But we've seen this in the word before. What do, what do you see in the word when, it, when um, God describes himself? I am. And, and it's translated as, it is I, do not be afraid. Um, I mean, those, those words, they just evoke that he's referencing himself as God. He's speaking, I am, from the Old Testament. Do not be afraid. And in speaking this to comfort the disciples and in a, a way to expel their fears, Perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus is perfect love. 
Another thought that I see here is that um, I really think that John and Peter may have been um, needed friendship therapy. A lot. Because John has this tendency to omit Peter, or downplay him at least, um, when it comes to this. Because um, here John leaves out the fact that Peter walked on water. And some people say, well, Jesus came up to him a couple times. But why would they be afraid both times? Because he's told them, don't be afraid, it's me. I am. I think John just was like, well, that, that, was, that was pretty bad. Walked on water. Okay. And then later we see like Peter, he, he, you know, Peter and John do this race to the, the tomb. Right? Who wins? John, right? He's like outrun by the other disciples. He doesn't even name him. Doesn't even say Peter. He says, um, uh, well, he says, no, 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 sorry, sorry. He says, um, Peter is outrun by the other disciple. He's, he's trying to be, um, yeah, modest. And, you know, the other disciple, the one that's loved by Jesus, because that's how he refers to himself. Um, if you had a friend that referred to themselves, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the one that Phil loves. Would that just be creepy or what? <laughs> I mean, John, disciple. Uh, okay. But I, I just think it's interesting because, you know, Peter, Peter then goes into the tomb further than John, and, and they're just so competitive. You ever had a friend like that? You ever had a friend like that? I, I think that I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that when we get to heaven and we get the chance to talk to the two of them, that they've worked all of this out because I'm sure Peter's then like, well, John, why'd you leave, leave out the whole thing? I walked on water. Come on. I, I believe strongly that, that there is humor in the word. And, I, and, and I, I'm sorry, not sorry. I, I point it out. And because I find when I read it, it I, I'm chuckling to myself sometimes. And, and people are looking at me like, He's reading the Bible. Why is he laughing, you know? Okay. But I find life in the word is not just this dusty, dry, stodgy, stoic. Like you open it and... Unless you're at that point where it's like, okay, and then the angels and they're singing because Jesus is coming. That, That might be. But there's something about life has humor in it. Life has pain in it. Life has hardships. It has trials. It has love. There's so much vibrancy in life. When we talk about that zoe, zoe, life, that, that zoe that comes from the pneuma for breath, breath of life, pneuma, zoe. That breath of life is not dusty or stodgy. That's, that, that's, that's when we don't have the life coming out of the word and we're just sitting in our life. It's like sitting in a room without air conditioning, a fan or anything in the midsummer with the window just open like that. When I talked about being along the river, it's that little bit of breeze going past and, 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 and just getting your hair and, and just going through your toes. That's pneuma. Every breath that we breathe that is, that is handed to us from God. You ever thought about it that way? 
He has given us life. And when that breath stops, life stops. Jesus fed the multitude and then he takes this imagery to speak of who he is to those being saved. John um, 6, 35 through 38 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have, uh, you have seen me, and yet you uh, do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me will never, will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The third point is Jesus is the bread that nourishes us into eternity. It's not just like, I mean, like you can sit there and go, okay, well, bread, I mean, you, you need food, you need water, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, okay. You're, you're, not, you're not getting the point. He's saying forever you will be nourished by the living God. The God that gave manna. The God that gave, okay, quail. The God that changed water into wine. God, the God that, that healed the broken, that, that took those that had, had leprosy and made their skin clear. When you come to him, there's a nourishment and a refreshment that goes into eternity. Jesus becomes a sacrament of our faith and salvation. Right? He becomes a sacrament of that. Representation of it. But not just representation. It's something that's ingested. Something that that goes through us, flows through us, and comes out of us, right? And into others. This speaks to our need and desire for a Savior to complete us. We've heard that, that saying of a God-shaped hole that God can fit, but I, I don't like to say that just because it's kind of like a box that we can put God in. There is just a part of us that can rub up against our living God, right? There's so much that, that it connects so well in every way that we're placed with God, right? That we can't just see it's a hole in us. We are broken and we are missing that connection. When we get that connection, it's eternity, people. It's not just for a moment. It speaks to our need and desire for the Savior to complete us, to nourish us, and, to, and move us from death to life. John 6, 61 through 63 is a long chapter. <laughs> but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples are, were grumbling about this, so they're grumbling up here, um, said said to them, do, not, uh, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life to the flesh. Um, life, the flesh, is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 
These words take me back to the conversation that Jesus had, a, had with the Samaritan woman at the well, right? He, he tells her that there's this time coming when worshipers are going to worship, are going to give praise, are going to give their, their, um, their all, their thanks, whatever it is that, that it welling up in us, we're going to give it to God with spirit and truth. And the word that I propose um, that what is poured into us from Jesus and the words that he spoke in the spirit are spirit and life, and what we pour out in worship is spirit and truth. Right? We could, we could not pour anything out without the spirit and life that is placed in us. We can't pour it out. We have to be poured into to an overflow, Right? Number four, Jesus will cause our options to decrease, yet he is our increase. I'm going to say that again. Jesus will cause our options to decrease. Have you noticed that in life? Our options will decrease. It's not like, it's not like with the law, you can't do this, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. It's like, I don't need that option. I don't need that option. But I need this. I need Jesus. The disciples, um, the disciples other than the 12 abandoned their leader and savior at one point. And Jesus asked them, are you going to leave as well? Yeah, I mean, he, he's not surprised by what they're going to answer. He just, he's challenging them, right? And, and I love that Peter always seems to be the one that answers. And he answers first, sometimes really badly. Um, he has a little bit of that, um, yeah, he, he, I, I, I have an affinity to Peter because I, I, I'll say stuff and I'll, I'll be like, why did I just say that? I have a feeling Peter did that a lot, like, why did I just say that? But he doesn't seem to have common sense not to respond, and this is really me as well. Um, but Peter answers um, what Jesus is asking further on in, in 68 through 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. <laughs> right on, Peter, you got it right on this one. Um, he was being poured into from Jesus, spirit and life. And he speaks out truth in return. You know that when that, that, that zoe, that, that pneuma of zoe, that, that, that breath of life is, is, is poured into us, what is the tendency to come out is truth. When we read the word, when we, when we get into the Bible, that's that pneuma, zoe, and what comes out is truth is word, logos. He points out um, that they have put all of their eggs in the, in, into Jesus' basket. Anybody, anybody have somebody say early on in life, hey, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You want to have other options, right? Well, with Jesus, your options are getting limited more and more as you get older, right? So he, he's throwing out, hey, you put all your eggs in, in my basket. You, you've walked away from everything that you used to do. 
such confident faith and such a great response, even though the disciples left Jesus at the cross, that was just too much for anyone to handle. Peter even denies Jesus. This still remains the truth, though. It still remained that he was the Son of God. And when we commit ourselves to this fully, to the way of Jesus, to, to his way, to the, the way, we find that we are fueled to a place of overflow. We can't fit anymore. There's an abundance. We are fueled for the rough places. Because there's going to be rough places. We are fueled for an eternity. We don't even understand what eternity means. We have a word for it, but we don't understand it. We can't. We have a finite, which means it, it's, there, there's a definite, like where my brain is, that's all the further it is, right? There's a finite mind, and we can understand some great concepts, but we do not quite understand what eternity is going to look like. Amen to that. Because that's going to be an overflow that we're just going to be like, I was, I've, I've been talking about, my, I got these contacts from a really great guy in town, and I'll tell you, if you want to know who he is, um, talk to Gary, he knows who he is. Um, but the, the thing is, is I came out from getting these contacts, and, and I guess I have a stigmatism, and I've had glasses that have, they've dealt with astigmatism, but the contacts, they didn't deal with astigmatism. I come out with these contacts for astigmatism, which means my eyes are kind of pinched funny. Anyway. I come out with these on, and I'm like looking at East Wenatchee. And we know that that's not necessarily the best view here. It'd be better going from East Wenatchee to Wenatchee to see all the mountains. But I'm looking out going, wow, at Shopko. So, you know. But it was just amazing because the distance stuff was so clear. And I think that there's a point where we're going to see eternity, and we're going to be like, I think that's why Jesus has to give us a hug because he's got to be like, okay, come on, keep coming, keep coming. <laughs> well done, you're here, come on, right? Because, because we are going to be so overwhelmed. I, I, I jokingly say we're going to spend like a thousand years on our faces just worshiping God. It's probably true because we're going to be so overwhelmed by him. We're going to be overwhelmed by his presence. We're going to be overwhelmed by everybody that's with us. And that we get to be there in eternity. We'll be like, this is not what the pastor said. It's so much better. I, I hope that's what it is, because my imagination only goes so far, right? Your imagination only goes so far. Man, I haven't even looked at the time. Um, we are fueled by the increase of his life and his spirit to the place of truth. You can set your stuff aside. I, I just had that one thing to say. Um, <laughs> isn't that pastors, though? I just got this one thing to say hour later. <laughs> Let me conclude with this. There's another hour. Um, there, there is definitely an overflow in this life that we are given. There is a fueling in us but there's a time and a place where we need to recognize that. 
overflow. We need to recognize that fueling. And I, and I, I want to give an opportunity here. I, I, if you have... If you've never gotten to that place with a relationship with Jesus, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to respond. If that is you, I want you to just raise your head, raise your hand, and make eye contact with me. And we're just gonna we're gonna pray that you'd receive Jesus today, that you would have Jesus in your life going forward. You have that opportunity for that overflow, that opportunity for eternity. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that, that you are God, that you are that great I am, that you speak life into us, that you speak light into us, and that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. And we do that today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Why don't you stand, and we're going to sing one more song as we go out today. All I have 